welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of a nocturnal canoe. I don't know what that is. Well, it's a, it's a canoe, Alex. What can see in the dark? What Unlike can normal see canoes. in the dark? <laughs> well, the word nocturnal, such as an owl. But this canoe can see in the dark. It and does, see... it, does it sleep in the day as well? It does sleep by day and only come out at night. Okay. And it sucks blood from other canoes. Right. It's a vampire so, canoe so, as well. So my next question is, how is this podcast anything like that? So it's interesting. And actually, when I, when I, when I show you how... Because I'd like it, you to start justifying yeah, these statements. Yeah. No, if, no, no, no. If, you know, if that's again, all right. Do you know, it's really frustrating because the listeners get it. Oh, I okay. get it. It's, Everyone gets it's it. It's just me. It's just you, Alex. You're the one who's being left in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh how are you how was your week yeah, it's been all right <laughs> ask me what i've been up to I have, i'll tell you what have you done anything apart from sort of being your flat and kind of just do your job and sleep and shit and eat that's the one that's it <laughs> at, at the same that, time no that's it that's it, it made for a very interesting uh, violin lesson whilst you were eating and shit. No, absolutely and it's now descended into what into restarting the u.s office on netflix do you know it's so funny because obviously I think you know it didn't quite merit moving forward last week, and it yeah. maybe it won't merit moving forward this week. But it's probably worth just pointing that one out because the U.S. office uh, for our American listeners, I'm very sad for your loss because I heard that was quite a staple. In fact, it was the most streamed TV show on Netflix yeah. uh, up until the 31st of December 2020, when in fact it was removed from the American Netflix. I, and I still don't understand. I think it was licensing agreements going, from Peacock. It, it, yeah, it's going to Peacock, as I Peacock. understand it. But it, it's interesting because I like I like the US office, not as much as the UK office, but I am aware that after a certain point in the US office, it just becomes a different animal and you can't mm. compare the two anymore. Mm. So mm. don't at me with all that nonsense. I know mm. it but I still think the UK office is better. But I do see it very much as the show that you watch to just watch something. Absolutely. No, no, sorry, you caught me off guard with a coffee. I was going to interject. I saw a really interesting tweet about it, and it was basically saying, and, and I'm of the opinion, I mean, like, I've watched that series about seven or eight times. It's, it's as, as Darren Brown once put it after the first time he watched it, it is unspeakably charming. It's just a beautiful homage to just TV through the ages and an evolving and iterating TV show. As you said, it starts as one thing and totally ends as another thing. Yeah, to the extent but, that actually it was quite interesting because Ilham hadn't seen the UK office. So we actually watched uh, the first episode of the US office and immediately afterwards watched the first episode of the UK office. Yeah. And obviously, they are actual. They they are pretty much carbon copies of of, yes, of yes. each other, and yes. you know it's. It could be argued that that's when the similarities like spread out. There's a couple mm. of recycled jokes in episodes two and three of the U.S. Office. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, after yeah, that, yeah. but after that, it's all pretty much original material around that concept. Yes. And, but well, the, 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 what I was going to say quickly was I've, I read a tweet that someone said, I, I now no longer have to watch it. I can just put it on on my phone and put my headphones in. And it's like a podcast because I know all the lines. I know how they're delivered. Yeah. And I kind of know what, what's happening in all the scenes. So I don't actually even have to watch the screen anymore. And you've got to ask yourself some pretty searching questions when that's yeah. what you're doing. Um, but yeah. Are you okay? You're, you're fiddling around with your headphones. Uh, 
My, my ears just started ringing. Oh, no. It's like tinnitus or something. Shall I stop the... Oh, well, that's probably me with this ringing machine down here. I've got a bell slowly further down here. Oh, no. It's gone now. What if you just collapsed? No, it's gone. What if you it's just killed? What would I do? It's gone now. I would probably... I mean, if you just collapsed live on the podcast because you were like, ah, oh, just my whole left side's just... And then you just... I'd be like, um, do I keep this as proof? <laughs> They would be like, what was he doing when he last went? Well, we were talking utter shit. Yes. Here, and you can have the evidence. Right. Yeah, the evidence. We, you know, we don't. You know, we don't record the video, right? <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, I know. But much like the office, the paramedics would just be able to listen to it in their headphones oh, in the same yeah, way they yeah, listen yeah. to the office Very because good. they just know us so well. That, you know our just, mannerisms. Back to that point. That that really does just cement. The fact that people just inject the office into their veins, yeah, and it's, it's, odd, it's just it? a consumption machine, and it's it. Is it is it last... is it drama? Could you can you even describe it as as drama or comedy anymore, or is it literally just consumption? Is it the TV equivalent of McDonald's? I think it's the TV equivalent of just comfort. Right. I'll be honest. It's it's comfort. Um, I. I was thinking about this the other day because it's my go-to. Uh, well, yeah, my... you're obsessed with it. As you said. Yeah, I love it. As, as you've said, you've watched it seven or eight times, which is I insane. Do. But there's something just just so innately comfortable about it. All of the characters and everything. And, and I think it's I think that's the massive that that's the massive difference between the UK office and the US office is that the UK office is very much designed to be a little too uncomfortable and it, it will lead you with a bad taste in the and mouth. And that's what like I think is... the inherent genius of not only Ricky Gervais's writing, but mm-hmm. his acting as well. Mm. I, I mm. think he, and also, I can't remember what his name is. Is it Mackenzie Crook? The play, Mackenzie Crook, the yeah, plays Gareth. Gareth, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Because when you, what was really interesting about watching the two versions side by side, or mm. one after each other, is that you're just like, this is exactly, this is like a carbon copy. Like, the layman would not be able to identify what is different about these things, apart from the fact that it's different people playing the characters. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. yet, the UK office is, deci- is a million percent more cringy and mm. more uncomfortable Mm, and mm. Oh, don't get me don't get me wrong though. There have there are some incredibly uncomfortable episodes of the U.S. office. I mean, it's often remarked that Scott's Tots people actually can't watch that episode because oh, which it's one's too that? Crit- so Scott's Tots is the one where uh, uh, where Steve I was going to say Steve where Michael uh, promises a group of uh, I, I know, a group of kids who are maybe just going into you know uni- uh, going into high school. Sorry that if they all graduate from high school, he'll pay their college tuition, and oh, he kind of made it yeah. at one point when he was younger. And then obviously it kind of comes around and he has to go and to apologize that he can't afford it. And it's it's a really uncomfortable, I mean, oh, almost yeah, that too is... uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. But you're but you're right. I mean, the, the person who was responsible for that, Greg Daniels, um, he I mean, he was basically the translator for translating the material. And obviously Ricky and Steve were and Steve Merchant, actually, we, we should talk a little bit about because, you know, a lot of the a lot of the early Ricky Gervais stuff. And I'm a huge, huge fan of their, their XFM shows and the Ricky Gervais show, for example. And Steve Merchant was was a hugely power uh, creative powerhouse on, on a lot of his projects and actually Steve Merchant was on the first the set for the first two or three seasons of the American office almost more than Ricky was right okay so it's yeah so it's a really interesting well, I kind of thought that Ricky um, might have just overseen the first because se- the first season's like six episodes they did. long You're and right, then they, they just did. like banged out you're right there done. they 
they oversaw the whole thing, the whole first six episodes. You're bang on. Um, and then it slightly changed. But uh, hey, I, I would say one recommendation for you, if you like, and a recommendation for our listeners, if you do want to learn more about the US office, I highly recommend Office Ladies, which is Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinney, who are the two who play Pam and Angela in the office. Yeah. They are doing a complete rewatch, and I think they're in like season four or five now. Oh, but that's if you go cool. back and you. Yeah, they, they I really like this concept because and... I'm, I'm listening to the real. Uh, the fake doctor's real friends podcast with uh, yeah. Zach Braff and Donald Faison, and it's really, really fun. I love it. It's, you're right. Also, Scrubs is another example. They're cracking out the content as well. They they do at least two episodes a week. It's insane. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, what else have they got to do? I know, right? <laughs> Just eat, sleep, and shit. Eat, sleep, and shit, and make a podcast. We are a music and movies podcast, and each week we will discuss some of the newest releases, the hottest off the press. It's so hot. And it's so hot and fresh. And even though this pandemic is squashing new movies and new contents, that's not going to stop us finding and releasing and talking about our thoughts on the hottest Hollywood films. And of course... We got a hot one. We got... Yeah, we've got a biggie. We got, we've got a, we big got a one. hot one. We, <laughs> we paid got a 16 quid for it. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. Um, now, that's my first question to you. Right. So uh, we're what, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> or or Wawa 84. Oh, wait, wait, four. Wait, 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 four. Now, the first question I have for you, Alex, okay. was, did you get value for money? Yes. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I'm going to well, say, I, I mean, I don't know. Do do I sit down and do a cost reward kind of graph, mm. like make some analytics about it? Or do I literally just pay £16 and then if I enjoy it, then it's worth £16? You know, how do I value that 16 pound well do i, I, I do, will... do i do i give 16 pound for something and expect a certain level of enjoyment per pound because i've never thought uh, like that and no i don't think it's quite like that but i mean like compare it to milan did you just bang your head against the... no I, 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 I kicked I, I kicked the stand with my foot <laughs> all right that wasn't good I, well well that was a good way to dodge my question but i'm still gonna ask it mate. compare it to milan well yeah okay so milan was slightly different because i split it three ways with my siblings sure yeah so that was slightly different although mm-hmm. the total amount did come out and then i watched it and i was like yeah that was good not great mm. but i don't know wonder woman was highly highly enjoyable yeah and let me let for me, me worth it let me kick off with this fact for you mate so for wonder woman 1984 the film has had actually several release dates the first was believe it or not december 20th 2019 it was then moved up to november 8th 2019 in order to avoid competing against star wars rise of skywalker ah, i mean lol. that would have been uh, yeah that would have been uh, uh, once it was announced that the 25th james bond film was to leave its original scheduling of november 1st spot warner brothers moved the film's release upon another week uh, in order to make an extra week's advantage the fourth was then pushed back to the seven months so that was the biggest jump from three to four uh in june 5th 2020 as warner brothers realized the success of the first film's june uh, 2nd 2017 release so kind of being like oh we're kind of three years on and look at where we are uh but then obviously the pandemic uh, had had other plans uh, it was then moved to august uh, and then it was moved to October and finally uh, for the final time sorry it went even to September believe it or not it went I remember we were potentially going to go and see it in the cinema in September and well, then it we was pushed again yeah. yeah and then it was pushed to December now I, I, I got you've got I've got to ask was it worth the wait 
Was it going to be any different? Because the, the, every time, it's much like an aircraft. Every time an aircraft is parked on a runway or on a gate, it's, it's, it's losing money. They only yeah. make money when they're in the air. And the same can be said for movies. Do you think the risk was worth it? Do you for think Warner Brothers, Brothers have done the right thing here? Well, I think if it had come out with a wide cinema release, they definitely would have made more money. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, of course. De- yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. would have made more money. So, and it did release quite a lot in, in Europe and stuff. It, there, did, there's it been, did. I mean, it's it's not a huge, it's not a hugely great. I mean, it's, it, it overtook Tenet, which was a low bar to, which is a low bar to fall. But still, it's it's pretty pitiful. Well, pretty pretty fact, pitiful compared to what they want. But it's it's a small cog in a much larger machine. There's mm. so much more value. To, I read a really interesting article about this, um, specifically to do with the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Sure, that sure. It's much, much, much more valuable to have an entry that doesn't do well financially but still continue on a franchise mm, okay. than it is to just, you know, focus on one particular thing. So, you, yes, you can say that Wonder Woman 84 was financially um, a, bit, a bit of a trough for Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do they care in the long run? I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. You know, there's a no, lot. Right. I there's mean, a lot of there's a lot of hype coming coming up for more entries. Specifically, the next one coming out is Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that that is mad hype. They've just announced Ezra Miller's Flash movie is finally oh, is yeah, finally God, in yeah. development. Which you know, where our, our personal feelings about Ezra Miller. Aside that, that you know that could be it, yeah, but it could be a good movie. It could it could be a good movie. The Flash is a very yeah, exactly. popular char- is a very popular character, and it might and do fingers very, crossed. Very well. Amber Heard is back as well. Absolutely, <laughs> well, there's that as well. Aquaman too, you know all exactly. that. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not convinced they care. I don't think no. I don't think we can say, oh well, Wonder Woman eighty four didn't do so well. This mm. might herald the start of the end of the DC Extended Universe. I don't think so. No, I don't you're, think no, you're so. absolutely right. I it's think, still going. I think if it was going to decline, it would have done after one of the much more atrociously bad entries into this Extended Universe. And that brings me on to my big point of this. Go for it. I like this movie. Yeah, I like it too. I, 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 and, and I, just to circle back, one of the reasons why I did like this movie was I, I also felt it was good value for money. Do you know why? And I'm, and I'm, and I, and I shy away from this because there's, uh, but it's not a really flagrant, um, showy offy of wealth. I got, I got a nice TV last year. You did. I like my nice TV. It's a big you, TV. You've, I you've got not, a really you've not cheap told me deal about, on You've it. not told me about this TV. <laughs> you've not told um, me about it ever. I didn't know you that I, you got a new TV. No, it's a nice big, and I, but I turned all the lights out in my flat. I bought myself some popcorn. Oh, I put yes. my phone in the other room. Well done. I did it properly. And I tell you what. Did you put the phone I in the other room? Phone in the other room. Because you are bad for that. Phone in the other room. Oh, yeah, exactly. Phone in the other room. Popcorn in bowl. TV on. And and full, you know, I turned the volume. I, I treated myself yeah. with the old volume control. Because I tell you what, the soundtrack, we'll get to it, guys. But <laughs> now, beautiful. I've got a question about the setup with the lights off and everything. <laughs> 
yeah, was, yeah. Was Maddie watching? I was in my pants. Was, Mad- no, I was, was, my pants. was Maddie watching you watching it with you, or was she like? Definitely not. Or was she at the desk trying to work in pitch blackness? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just being like, "Come on, trying On to a work. call, and you're just cranking the volume up, and you're just oh, like, God. "We should have got surround sound, Maddie." <laughs> She's managing a spreadsheet as as I'm negotiating the popcorn loudly. Oh man! Oh, I oversalted the popcorn too. Oh, oh God, I was. I was you got to go sweet and thirsty, sweet but... and salty, mate. I don't think you're right. I I am. I am. <laughs> now, the ideas and the vibes of Wawa 84 very much hark back to the original Christopher Reeves. And in fact, there is no one more Wait, the original, the original Christopher Reeves Wonder Woman? Yeah, the original Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. No, obviously Superman. But, but oh, yeah, the, obviously. The, 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 heart, the heart back to the, with, with the actual track on the score, 1984. It is a pure homage to John Williams. And that's them when they introduce actually the 80s. What do you th- what do you think of the 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 overall score and how it 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 folds into the movie? It it's very much on brand with mm. Hans Zimmer extraness. Oh yeah, I thought that, it was amazing. That Hans Hans Zimmer extraness should be an official term for musical orchestration because it is huge. I would be very very interested to find out. Mm-hmm. When and where they recorded this, because it well, sounds. Well, I've got that for you now. Oh, do you? That for you? Yeah, yeah. Was it so was it Hans... pre-COVID? Did they record let it me, all pre-COVID? Let me. Well, I don't know the actual. I don't know the actual dates, and I think we can speculate based on some of the movies titles that I'm going to talk about. So Hans Zimmer had previously announced that he would retire from composing for superhero movies after. Which one? You can do this. He's thinking. You'll get it. Was it not Man of Steel? No, no, because he was involved with one more. Well, I know he was involved with Batman versus Superman, but I, but I yeah. seem to remember at the time him going, "I'm um, kind of done with superhero movies." <laughs> I think he didn't get enough. I didn't get. I think he did. I think he didn't get a big enough. No, oh, no, please come back. Yeah. No. Do you know what? So he did. So he did. Ton of justice. Do you know what? But but when but when when a studio comes up to you oh, and offers you enough money per movie to buy an island, you yeah. kind of go, yeah. "Okay, I'll fine. I'll do another one." <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he he originally said he would retire after Dawn of Justice, um, BBS, but which actually did feature Wonder Woman cinematic debut, uh, and teamed up with Batman and Superman, whose films he had already composed for scores. However, he then went on to accept uh, to compose the score for another superhero movie. I'll say not a particularly good one that was released after BVS, and it wasn't a DC. And you watched it on a train, and you were underwhelmed, but it's to be expected. Because I watched it on a train? Yeah, you watched it on a train, which is ironic, because it has a train sequence at the end. Oh, yeah. He did <laughs> um, Dark Phoenix. He did do Dark Phoenix, that way, But then I think I remember us talking about this. I think it was on a mm-hmm. Moving Forward we talked about this, mm-hmm. where it was very clearly him coming in at the last minute. Yeah, just to right, do yeah. something, and I bet he had all those, you know, sound files and treatments. Just like he, he's got, he's got a collection of all this shit of just no. random compositions. And you're just like, okay, that sounds quite superhero and actiony. Let's just stick that, and it's fine. Mm. Now, I, uh, I, I admit, I don't actually have exactly the answer for you, but I have a couple of inclusions throughout my notes that maybe hint to when or when or where some of the ideas for this soundtrack came from. I think, by and large, a lot of it was done 
Um, so the, the post-production was done during COVID. And I think a lot of the recording was probably done pre-COVID. And the reason why is because there is a lot of recycled material from other Hans Zimmer scores in this. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of also inclusions of famous um, classical music, obviously, at the end. And we kind of messaged a little bit before this and uh, about some songs in this. And I also think that in terms of the soundtrack of the movie, were you overwhelmed or underwhelmed as to the amount of 80s music that featured in this? I definitely wasn't overwhelmed. No, uh, with the amount I of, thought that with was the amount really of, good. I think, I think that the 80s vibe and sound world was very subtly, pre- very was subtle, very yeah. subtly present throughout mm. so that you really kind of felt the time period. I mm, thought, mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't obnoxious. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Oh, I'm trying to. What, 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 would, what would be a good movie comparison to? Well, it wasn't Back to the Future. Yeah, it wasn't. I okay, mean, even it wasn't, though that ba- is... it wasn't Back to the Future, which is obnoxious, obnoxiously eighties in the eighties. Yeah, sequence. and 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 you know, and, and it wasn't very. You know, Stranger Things. Even I think even Stranger Things just ever so slightly touches on that line. But I think I think. It was right. I mean, obviously, the trailer, so the teaser trailer released Blue Monday, uh, arranged by uh, Sebastian Bomb. But I, I think that actually the, the, there was only one inclusion of an 80s song, which in my mind was absolutely fantastic. There was one really clear 80s song that was used. I don't know if you know which one it was, but I'll get to it. Okay, um, you'll get, you'll get it, to it. But I, I, I loved it. It was, it was a really clever song choice by Patty Jenkins. I thought it was a really, really clever song. And I'm assuming that it was Patty Jenkins because there's a lot of Patty Jenkins in this film, isn't there? There, there? is. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So let's talk about Themyscira, Ninja Warrior, 2021, baby. It really, really <laughs> was Ninja Warrior. Because at first, at first I was like, all right, okay, cool. Because this is, you know, a, this is like a Greek society thing, you know, Greeks, Olympics and all that. They're, mm. they're going to do the Olympics. This mm. isn't the Olympics. No, no, it's, <laughs> this it's isn't the kind the of Olympics. Olympics. And, I was, and, I kept, and I kept thinking, God, I wish the Olympics was like this. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. Brilliant. Do you, do you know the original Olympics? Just a fun fact for you: included things like painting, sculpting, art, uh, poetry, it, uh, weaving. It, it included not just physical sports. And over time, those have kind of fallen by the wayside. Now it's now an incredibly physical, um, uh, you know, championship or, or competition. Yeah. But at one time, it did include That's a really lot of interesting. stuff. I'm not sure if I mm. knew that. Well, you would have had your chance potentially to be an Olympic athlete. Look at you over yeah, there. Yeah, because I'm definitely not physical. Well, you you sell yourself short, but I'm sure I'm sure you could uh, I'm sure you could give a triple jump if you really were 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 pushed to oh, do okay. it. Now. Push comes to shove, gun to the head, <laughs> make this or die. You know. What did you think of the CGI? Right. Okay. So I was scared about the CGI going going into this movie because if sure. you remember some of the first trailers we saw of this. Even mm-hmm. in those trailers, there was some shonky CGI horrible, in there. Horrible. And specifically to do with Barbara. Mm. To do with... Yes, what's, yes. What, what's, what's the name? Well, che- cheetah, is it Cheetah? We can, is it, yeah, is it we Cheetah? Can just, her character is Cheetah, her, yeah. We can... Yeah, I, I and I don't think they touched up a huge amount. Do you know what I actually think they've just done is in sorry, we're, we are going to go straight through spoilers, so do apologize. Oh, yeah. But I think especially with the with the full sequence transition scene, I think they just turned the brightness down. I think they just turned you know just 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 lowered the lights a little bit. I don't think they actually repaired any of the CGI. No, from but her. see, I I don't think I don't think that's right because it was already pretty dark in mm. the trailer, but even even so, it was still 
you could still see Cheetah and you thought, God, that's Shonky. And you, you kind of thought it was going to be a bit end of Black Panther-esque because, you know, for oh, for, yeah, yeah. for how great the movie Black Panther is as a whole, that end fight scene is, has some yeah, unforgivable CGI in it. It's not great. Um, but then when she just comes on in full Cheetah mode, I was like, mm. do you know what? That does not look bad. No, I, I did not really think good. that looked bad at all. Like that, the, the hair was done it, really yeah. well. The 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 face specifically, they went more with a makeup kind of yeah, look. Yes, they did. So the face didn't look so CGI heavy, and you still got mm. quite a lot of the character coming through. And I actually thought that they nailed it. Well, she's an as, apex predator, Alex. She is an apex predator. <laughs> it's what she wants to be. It's what she wished for. I, I thought that the CGI at the Themyscira games weren't particularly great. I think at the start, I think even just before the actual. Uh, the actual Diana, young Diana sequences before that even started, I thought they were atrocious. Well, it's an interesting one. It's it's an interesting one because the the camera filter is different in Themyscira because it's like this magical place and you don't really understand. like Never Never Land. Exactly. You don't really understand the rules of these places. And I think when you've got that filter over things, it does tend to make things look not real at all Mm. and i Mm. think you know this is me being devil's advocate on behalf of the movie that maybe that might explain some perceived bad cgi but that might not actually be the case yeah okay um okay but also i'm I'm willing to yeah i'm willing to accept that actually because it was it was this was the only time where i really noticed it so yeah i guess that's fair well actually to be fair i did have one moment where i was like yeah not 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 convinced about the cgi of that and that was actually diana's mega suit Oh, we'll get to it. We'll that get one. to it because I have, I do want to chat a little. Oh, you do want to chat about that? I didn't think the CGI did... was that good in that in <laughs> there, but okay. Well, just, I just wanted to put a point in. So Lily Aspel, who plays the young Diana, who is so good, she, she is. is isn't so, she? she is. She was brilliant. She's very much, you know, very mature acting because actually she picks up on a lot of the little things that Gal Gadot has done for uh, the original Wonder Woman, and obviously we first saw Lily Aspel. Or, um, again, it was a kind of flashback sequence in, in the original Wonder Woman, I believe, or near the start yeah. of the film was was pretty early on, so she didn't have a lot to go on. But now she's had quite a lot of, you know, she's seen quite a lot of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and it's quite clear that she's as a, as a young actor she's very much tweaked a lot of things around it and it was really clear in this first sequence but she actually performed all of the phys- all of the required physical stunts for uh, herself and she's only 12 um, because it was deemed that she did a job better than her own stunt doubles right okay so yeah right you've got to quantify that statement though because there's no way in hell they put a little 12 year old kid on a horse and told her to jump a canyon and shoot and <laughs> shoot a target that's down the canyon didn't happen you can't convince no, me that no. happened so no but I, th- I think things like the rock the rock slides I think a lot of the jumps and rolls and and I think maybe you know things like she's obviously at there's some points where she kind of leaps in the air as if she's diving into the water. You've got to think that she, yeah, she's okay. a 12 year old di- jumping, you know, or obviously landing on crash mats and things. But actually, you know, that, or, that, that, or that's hopefully, a... if diving headfirst a pool, <laughs> yeah. you'd like to think. I don't think crash mats would do the job there. A, j- a jar of broken glass, yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> a well of crab claws, potentially. <laughs> what would be the worst thing to jump into? A, a pool of custard. Oh God! Yeah, because the because of the surface tension. Exactly. You see what you did? A yeah, non-Newtonian fluid. I like that. I like it. Mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. Nerds. 
Yeah. And then we had the whole 80s, and we kind of talked a little bit about the 80s sequence. Um, what do you think about the, the other CGI and the other the big action piece at the start was the mall, the, the introdu- introduction of Diana in the 80s, stopping the mall bandits. Uh, well, I'll be honest, at this point in the movie, I was not completely invested in the tone and the style that it was going for. And I think you summed it up perfectly when you quoted Richard Donner's Superman movies. Mm. Because they were very much the Boy Boy Scout saving every cat stuck up a tree version of Superman. And I think although this version of Wonder Woman is still the version of Wonder Woman that we saw in all the other movies and as far as her physicality and the choreography of the fight scenes are still top notch. Really like, yeah, re- really I good. really love the way that she moves. And I know Gal Gadot does a lot of the, that work herself and it was actually developed a lot by her as well. Mm, okay. And, but at this point in the movie, because of maybe it was a very saturated color scene there was lots of colors going on everywhere sure. she looked very very she always looks very very vibrant in mm, her, in her mm-hmm. suit almost quite cheesy almost mm, and mm-hmm. so at this time in the movie i wasn't completely sold i thought oh this is a, this is quite this, this is quite cheesy this is quite camp like you know yes i'm not i'm not completely convinced by it and i'm not i'm not sure that that changes throughout the movie but i think i got more invested as time went on and, you know, once you're in it, you then appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And and even things like the costume designs and things like this, I thought they were really clever. I thought it was really quite nice. I must admit the the mall sequence, whilst it was over top, I didn't like, I thought it was really, you know, obviously quite sweet, that little girl who was kind of getting pushed into the teddy bear yeah, and she yeah, was yeah. winking. It was really over the top. I mean, she was, that was the overacting, for, I mean, she was really sweet. Yeah, yeah, she was. And obviously she, she must was have had a direction. load of fun. She must have, but but actually, it's quite clear that Patty Jenkinson went, no, more of her, more sugar, more sugar, sprinkle yeah, more yeah, sweetness yeah. into this sequence. And I was a bit like, come on. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there is a bit. There, There is a bit of that, yeah. I did like it when the bride fell off the bridge and then the lasso of truth whipped her back up onto the bridge. And I thought you could break the tension wonderfully here with when the lasso goes around her waist, she just screams, I don't want to marry him! Or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think you could have done something really quite, you know, just like, just just so you go, hey, it's still your, it's still your DC dark universe still. There's still, there's still, or I'm sleeping with your brother. Oh, God. Somebody somebody just throw that in there. Just a little nod and a wink at that. It's not all going to be kids and teddy bears this one, let me tell you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's, interesting you you uh, mentioned the you know batman versus superman tone and mm. the, the dc extended universe dark and stuff like that because we've, we've asked ourselves this question for most of the entries post batman versus superman because obviously they've changed quite a lot since then mm. does this still sit does this still fit even in the same extended universe. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, and, and you, 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 because we, we've been warmed up with the MCU. The MCU does this. They've got different tones left, right, and center. Yeah. And it works. And, and this works fine. I, I think it's wonderfully acceptable. And that is that this sequence we're talking at the start, and I guess the first half an hour of this movie is, is not representative of this whole movie because I think this movie does leak over and it's definitely not as tonally dark as BVS or Man of Steel, 
but it's it's it, it's far more appropriate than the than the altercations that you get from uh, Birds of Prey or Suicide Squad. Yeah. So it, it it's I would say this is middle of the ground, maybe leaning a little bit more to the kind of fun, colorful. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But, it's, but it's I, again, it still definitely fit. Just to bring it back to Themyscira and that sequence, mm-hmm. we obviously get the big message of this movie, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. you can't. There are no there are no shortcuts to greatness, and there are sure. no. You can't cheat your way to the top, and, you know all those kind of messages. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. do you think they made a mistake in how they, in how they taught that lesson in the Theramascara sequence? Yes, because I'm not convinced that she cheated. She she did what she could. She did her best, but you could have manipulated that message to be like, "Oh, just because you have to go the path that you'd go down, you know, you can make your own path." And they could yeah, have totally yeah. like there, there's so many no, messages that's the point, you could but have the taken point is, from that one I'm not thing. convinced that anyone. I'm not convinced that anyone watching that sequence as it happened would have gone, "Oh, she's not allowed to do that. Oh, she shouldn't mm. be doing that, mm. and she knows that she shouldn't be doing that." Mm, I think mm-hmm. I think you see her problem solving and you know trying to get trying to get back into it and yeah, yeah. making the most out of a bad situation and not admitting defeat and th- and lots of very admirable traits. Yeah. And yet she gets stopped at, right at the yeah. end and goes nope that was bad and then they explain it's bad and you go well I suppose but yeah, really? I think the narrative is a little bit odd out throughout this movie. I mean, there, there there is one, there is one reason why I think this movie is getting a lot of negative flack, and I'll because it get is, to it. and I, 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 right off the bat, yeah. I don't think it's justified. No, to I the don't extent. think it's justified either to the extent. But and, and I, I have, I, I, I took a long hard think about it, and I think I know there's one element to this movie that that is dragging the rest of it down, and it's not just a particular scene or sequence or character. For example, I think it's an overall statement around this movie. And I, well, remind me, I'll circle back to it because I have made a note, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Now, I did want to touch on the music for a particular sequence when we're looking at all the old World War World War One pictures that she has up in oh, her yeah. apartment. Now. The piece of music that's being played I, is a song called Wish We Had More Time. And there's an element of Black Gold, which is the previous track that plays into this one too. But I couldn't help thinking the the kind of, a lot of the discords and a lot of the suspensions that are held in this piece of music were almost identical to those of Interstellar. Right. When you first had... Uh, when you first had the interstellar crew coming across uh, the space shuttle and and coming across the 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 dust and the lines and the dust particles in Murph's bedroom, if you watch these two sequences back to back, her looking at the World War Two photos and Murph's uh, bedroom, the musical to- the musical points are almost identical. No, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I don't. Th- I wouldn't go so far as to say, okay, well that's that's like interstellar and that's an example of somewhere that he's you know taken from because there are examples of that in his movie in the in this movie which i'm sure we'll get to where he has mm. actually quoted from other movies i'm not convinced that, that is a quote i think that is an example of like just inherent the, the language of hans zimmer because oh, okay. you can find that writing in everything you can find it in 
as far back as the Lion King, a lot yeah, of the yeah, orchestrations yeah. in there. Gladiator. There's a, Lion King, Gladiator, Bloody Pirates. Pirates, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holiday, frankly. Yeah, yeah. The, hol- well, the Holiday's just... a... Listen, but, listen but... the Holiday's a great Hans Zimmer score, <laughs> and I'll have words with anyone who says otherwise. But, but I disagree. I think it's more... I think... I, I'm not getting the, 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 the Hans Zimmer languages coming through, you know, the kind of... The, the commonalities that... In, in the style of music I genuinely and I would be I'd love to know if I'm right or not I'm genuinely accusing him of using edits that were taken from the cutting room floor of the Interstellar soundtrack right I'm genuinely think because I because I know what you're talking about and I'm find I found it different I found that sequence different and I found it really I almost was like Oh, this this feels like it was taken from the Interstellar score cutting room floor, oh. in my opinion. But, 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 but I could be completely wrong. Well, I'm not. To learn more. I'm not gonna tell you categorically you're wrong. <laughs> it requires it requires more investigation. I think we'll we'll need to get Hans Zimmer on the old blower, we, won't we? We will. Is that... <laughs> right, Hans. <laughs> yes. It, it doesn't matter who we are tell, or how we got into g- your house. G- give it to us straight. Give it to us straight. Did you do this? Just <laughs> yes or no. They'd be like, what are you talking about? Let my family go. Yes. <laughs> Hope you repair that window. We're not going to repair it. We're not. We're, we're not going to. We've said. Yeah, we want to know. We want to know. We, we want to know. We want to know. Did you take this from Interstellar? Did you? <laughs> did you take this from Interstellar? <laughs> Say it! <laughs> That's the cat being shot. Oh, right. Okay. You think we won't do it? Next one is your daughter. Don't test us. Does he have a daughter? Oh, God. Let, oh, God. We're getting stop. dark. Let's stop right there. <laughs> God. What's her weakness? <laughs> Jeez. But no, I, 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 I found this. I, can I touch on something else that I, it was, it was good. And, and it, I just want to explore the characterization. So the, the, the actors and the characters, because I liked all of the actors, your four main characters, your Chris Pines, your Gal Gadot, your Kristen Wiggs, your Pedro Pascals, the four of them carried this movie really well. Wonderful. And yeah. I've seen so much criticism of Kristen Wiig on the internet, and I'm like, really what interesting. for? She was yeah, great. Really. So she, she was so, so were, good. So, so, so well, I, I, I completely agree, comp- 100% agree, but there was a couple of things that I pointed out. So firstly, when we first were introduced to her, I was very much getting vibes of her Anchorman 2 character. You know, the kind of like ditzy, you know, oh, yeah. 80s kind of secretary kind of thing. Yeah. And there was almost elements of her character was kind of like Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You know, kind of like in awe of... Uh, Wonder Woman, or in, in that that case, in awe of Spider Man, and yeah. just everything about him was, you know, she she just wanted to be him or her. They wanted to be that person. Um, but but in terms of casting, originally it was supposed to be Emma Stone. So and I, again, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think Emma Stone could have carried it off. But I I know an actor who really wanted to play Cheetah, and now that I have read this, I'm like, oh, that would have been the better choice, and that's actually Sarah Paulson. Right. I would have. I thought she would have been fantastic as the role of Cheetah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So American Horror Story. Uh, she played the Nurse Ratchet in the new series of Netflix. I don't know if you're. I don't watch American not, Horror Story. You might not have watched a lot of it. Sarah Paulson. She, she's she's absolutely fantastic. Um, but because I, I, she's I, she's a little older and she's a bit taller and a bit more of a. Um, I, I guess there was the other, some of the parts of Kristen Wiig's was it, she's maybe not as imposing. Yeah. Um, as, as no, but I think Kristen but... Wiig she she sold it so well. And one she of did. the one of the things I really liked in the in this movie to do with the 
you know, if we talk about the MacGuffin of the movie, which is the, mm. the wishing stone thing. Mm, mm. One of the real one of the things I really liked about it is the early wishes were very, very subtle. Yes. Uh, yeah. it almost almost to a point where you could say that it hadn't granted a wish at all. Yeah. Because yeah. she didn't go through you know, obviously Barbara wished to be more like Diana as far as mm-hmm. like, you know, beauty, confidence, you know, smart, sure, you know, sure. strong, you know, all of all of those Com- things. Yeah. And she wished for and she wished for all those things without really knowing what she was doing. And when that transformation happened, it wasn't a super cheesy Cinderella puff of smoke kind of transformation, was it? Because no, they it could subtle. have done that. Basically, yeah. all that happened is she woke up. She had a bit of a mis- mishap with her with, with her big like skirt. And she basically just took it off and and, and just <laughs> rearranged her outfit. And then all of it and then all of a sudden Yeah. So so the, the message in that in the movie is that she was she was fit all along. The beauty was there all along. No, no, exactly. I know, I know, no, no, I know, no, but it's right, a very yeah. it's it's a very, very serious point that she didn't need to be transformed. She didn't need to be transformed to get the things that she wanted. Mm. You know, she just had to have the confidence to come out of her shell a little bit, which, yes, that was given to her by a wish. It wasn't something that she realized by herself, but the film depicted it in a way of, if you just do this, you can get that. And I think that's much, much more effective and much, much cleverer than a puff of smoke Cinderella transformation, which they also right. could have done. But they, but they all they did some of the tropes, you know, the classic before she transforms, she's walking and the briefcase falls open and the papers go everywhere. And oh, what a yeah, clutch! Absolutely, and, mess. The, and and the guy, the guy who was who's not interested in her at the time, who walks past her and goes, "Oh, what an idiot!" Imagine how embarrassing that would be. Your papers flying everywhere, yeah, yeah. and then he's all over her. And the next sequence yeah. is after she's done the transformation. Well, uh, well, everybody is. I think one of the one of the one of the very magical elements about it is is not you know it's good because i don't think all the characters or or specifically all the male characters are fawning over her because she because she maybe looks more attractive and conducting herself in a in a more attractive way mm. but the fact that the wish has made them do that that yeah, the, the yeah, wish yes. has disproportionately made them obsessed with her that's right, yeah. I, I, I want to talk to you because you're also hinting on another thing that's a parallel train of thought, which is the notion of strong, confident women in this film. Yeah. Because obviously Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot's interpretation of this character, it's really subtle when she's on screen. She's so commanding. You know, she just is, when she's she? when she's first being introduced to Max Lord and she's you can see in her face she's skeptical, but she's just so it she looks like a boss. She's like really yeah, just yeah, yeah. like in control of her emotions. She has such a command. But, presence she's so commanding but there were some things that i was like i i personally i maybe was a bit like huh i i guess what we're trying to go for here because i think the mo like the job to be done for patty jenkins for through a lot of this was obviously we have a really commanding female lead who is you know kicks ass and is beautiful but there also was a lot of soft skills that she wanted to try and use to represent that she's a strong woman you know things like her going for dinner for one a meal for one and they really hand fistedly go is someone joining you and she goes no and obviously there's kind of elements of she misses her boyfriend but also there's a lot of other ways for her to show that she misses her boyfriend so you're kind of two birds with one stone well, yeah, I mean, you I'm know th- pushing that you can go for a meal on your own and that's a really cool you know it was things like that and I'm like 
ah, I see what they're doing here. Like I, and I don't know how I feel about it. No, but... it's an it's a very very fine line that they deliberately try uh, try to tread because mm. again one of the other criticisms I've seen a lot about this movie is the fact is that there is a perception that they've kind of butchered Diana's you know strong independent woman mm, aspect of her mm. character because a lot of her characterization in this movie kind of revolves around her love for Steve yes and the fact that she just wants this one thing and the only thing she wants and the only enjoyment of her of her life is is a man and yes. that, that inherently is kind of anti-feminist and and I don't know where I stand on that no, I don't know where I, I stand on that because I do see that point of view and I think it is it is a valid it is a valid point of view. But then I kind of think, well, why can't a why why can't a strong woman um, also you have can, those strong feeling strong feelings for someone. a man and, yeah, and miss can, someone and all that? You can miss someone. You can you can love someone. You can you can want them back. Of course, if you if they're taken, and especially if they're taken before you know the 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 tragically taken or sacrificed before the end of their life, obviously you will feel cheated. You didn't get them. So yeah. I think it's I think it's just you know when you really look if 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 they had lived a long happy life together and she and you know and she goes oh he's nothing I'm nothing without him and I'm dependent that's a very different story. Yeah. But, you know she she was stolen all of you know the the idea to be able to live yeah. long and happy life. Yeah. With him. I, mean, I think the so, so that's I think the, the point, point is is I I see that argument. I'm just not sure I necessarily agree with it. And obviously, lest we forget yes. the ever-present Wonder Woman theme, as as yes, as it's debuted, there. it's in a, a couple of has debuted in Batman versus Superman. Is she with you? I've said it on the podcast many many mm-hmm. times. It's one of my favorite themes in the entire DC extended universe. Specifically the specifically now, the Batman versus the specifically the Batman versus Superman version because of the wailing electric Bassman. guitar. Batman. The Batman. The no, the wailing guitar is just fantastic. And there unfortunately there's no I wailing. You mean guitar. Aquaman is Batman. Right, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Batman, Aquaman, Batman. <laughs> this, went, this went really well. Yeah, it went really well. <laughs> you are right. Yeah. But I also remember you didn't like it when Danny Elfman had a shot no. at it as an orchestration and I, I still and i still stand by that so what is it mate because this was an orchestration this wasn't an electric guitar yeah what do you think i mean how do you like okay, it in this so, movie i liked it in this movie i like and you can accuse me of just saying well that's because you liked this movie and you didn't like the justice league movie however i still think that hans zimmer's orchestral version of the theme still has grit and attitude Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's totally, not totally. bouncy. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not bouncy. I remember, I remember you singing it to me while we were doing it on the podcast after we did Justice League. And when you said it, I was like, "Oh, he's damn right. He's so yeah. right." Because you're right. Because this, the it should, it should. It, you ask the question. It should lend itself to be an orchestrated theme. And therefore, two different composers have had a shot yeah. at it. One of them did it right. One of them yeah. didn't. And it's as simple it's as kind that. Of a, it's kind of a really good advert for how versatile an orchestra can be. That you can take the mm. same material. Yeah, and, and that's really true. You know, with the same speed. Mm-hmm. And come up with two very, very different meaning. Two very, very different yeah. feelings. Two very, very different tones. Yeah. And I think even though this is decidedly lighter than said Batman versus Superman wailing electric guitar, mm-hmm. which is still my favorite. It's still the still, best one. So still good. the best one. 
it still has the attitude of the character. My only complaint yeah. is I think that that seven four rhythm, you know, is maybe on the verge of being overused at this point. In the, yeah, in the, it is. In the it's movie. used throughout a lot of the score. It, yeah, possibly. That there's a yeah, line. Yeah. There's a line there. Now I touched on one actor, and I want to get right into this person because it, we have is it, not is it young Pedro. Oh, what Whoa. a boy! He's so good. He He's such a good actor. He chews up the scenery. Is, is oh. what they call it. He absolutely he's scene stealing. He's he, he is he's scene stealing with Gal Gadot in the room. Yes, and, and in a Wonder Woman movie, that's impressive. Now, Pasco, uh, Pedro Pascal, Pasco. sorry, Pas- Pasco, <laughs> Pedro, Pasco, Pasco, here, Pasco describes Max Lord as a dream seller. Yep. He encompasses the competence of a 1980s culture, which is get whatever you want, however you can, you're entitled to it. It's fucking greed, of course, and that costs a great deal. But it's also about how do you be your best self? How do you win? So he is definitely the face of success. Yeah. But I don't think he is. I think he's the face of a cocaine-fueled stock um, idolization 80s businessman. He's a, he's a softcore Trump. Let, let's, I thought let's he, not, I, I, kind of, I thought it was Jordan Belfort. Jordan, oh yeah, Gordon Gecko, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He he is that kind of character. I'm sure there are inspirations from all from all of those people from all those people. Before before I before we go on, I do want to make one observation about Trump and Trumpism, and it's something this movie has predicted. Okay. So um, we can't obviously deny the fact that we are now living in a Biden presidency Woo-hoo! that he has been sworn in, which is uh, uh, not a moment uh, too soon, yeah. if, if I might add, if we could, if we can get a little political, so so to speak. Absolutely. But I noticed a really interesting little, uh, where where the hell is it? It's a really fact. So basically, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Trump, you know, didn't didn't attend the inauguration, and 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 so he basically uh, escaped out the back door of the White House yeah. into uh, the green. Where the hell is this? Marine One. I... Marine One. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. So my fact was. I enjoyed the parallels between watching the villain leaving out the back door of the White House after the White House fight sequence of Max Lord and then getting into Marine One. He does that in the same way that Donald Trump has just recently done that. Absolutely. Really good. Yeah, let's yeah, <laughs> let's just let's just applaud that piece of that piece of clairvoyance. That's that's Simpsons level clairvoyance. Simpsons level clairvoyance. I'm not sure. I would you know, gun to the head, I would chalk that down to a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I really enjoyed? Go for me. I really enjoyed the fight scene in the White House. It was so good. It was with, so good with the lasso shield and stuff like that. And dare yeah. I say it, we finally have a contender for a White House fight sequence that contends with the opening of X Men Two. Oh, that is a good one. Oh, the, uh, uh, can I throw one other hat in the ring? In Rick and Morty, there's a fantastic White House fight sequence where Rick fights the president. Oh, no, oh you're not wrong. Unfortunately, Rick and Morty wins everything. Uh, as far as as far as as far as their fans are no, concerned, no, no, no. It, no, it does, it does, and I'm I'm the softest Rick and Morty fan there is, and I will concede that whenever Rick and Morty does anything, it wins. But no, you're right though. It, the 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 Nightcrawler, the Nightcrawler X Men really Two, I, I think I still think it takes it. 
over the over this one. I, now, I that still was think it Alan takes Cumming. It. That was Alan. That Cumming, was Alan Cumming. So you know. Alan no, Cumming. Like Alan Cumming um, <laughs> painted himself blue and stormed the White House. We're returning to our famous segment of was that Alan Cumming? That? I'm not sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> For those who are fans of the Santa Claus Three, yeah. it wasn't. It no. wasn't Alan Cumming. No, it was. It was great, and I and I really liked at the end of that sequence when Barbara comes and she is properly descended into you know yeah. she she's obsessed with the new power that she has and that she, yes. and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to give it away for anything which again goes back to that kind of like 80s power grab message mm. that you that that you talked about earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do you think about the uh the the two scenes that are kind of played against each other as opposites where barbara's walking home and she Wishes good night to the the nice homeless person and the sleazy eighties man. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. Oh, and yeah, then Barbara guy. Barbara is uh, nearly you know jumped upon and and until uh, until Wonder Woman comes and saves the day. Oh, and then we get a surprise. Yeah, she <laughs> messes him up like proper. The music was really great in the in the in the second of those two when she you know it's kind of like an echoey kind of strings piece that plays over the background yeah. of that which is this the first real indication that it's a menacing character and that's her kind of you know really kind of over over overly evil. Well, yeah, it's um, interesting because that's the, exactly the scene when Elham turned around to me and said, "Oh God, is she going to be a bad guy?" Yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. No, that, the, that, the music does. Yeah, that. and the music does that. It's, it's a turning point, and you can totally, you can totally tell. And it's because if you did justice music, if you did kind of justice is being served, and she's throwing this sleaze bag into a van, you would go, yeah, I mean, fine, but yeah, she's still a goodie. But you're right; it's the the music and the kind of echo and um, distant style effects. You know, the reverb that's played on top of it. It's really, really subtle, and and I think really just yeah. pushes that point forward. It is and, subtle. You know, you know what's not subtle in this movie what's that is again the kind of overarching message of it you know all the greed and the wish fulfillment and all that and again this has been one of the criticisms in that Mm. in that its message is really ham-fisted and shoved in your face and Mm. all that i would i would counter that by saying that its lack of subtlety is not a bad thing no, I think because you're right. I think, I think it's right. I think I think it's presented and it's acted out very, very well. Of course, there mm. are instances when you know just blatancy and lack of subtlety is at a film's detriment because it because yeah, it pulls yeah. you out of it. But I'm not convinced that mm. this qualifies. I think a lot of people have seen how obvious this is and have taken that as being a negative. And going, mm-hmm. oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is this is in my face, and they're really pushing this message upon me. Therefore, the movie's bad because subtlety is quality. I don't think subtlety yeah. is quality. I think no, it can I, be. I, I don't think but, that. Well, you bring me on to the point which we talked about before about the music of the eighties, and actually, I think there was elements of subtlety because when I did say there was one masterful choice of a song in this film, it was at the the the, the ball, the museum's what was it, the museum's night? What was it, the the, the function night? Oh yeah, the, the uh, and and you had uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood, welcome to the Pleasure Dome, which is a great classic 80s song and it's really good because it's that's her introducing Barbara coming in and you know she's kind of coming in as Cheetah because it has that ooh ah ooh ah in the song and it's her I thought the 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 
the portrayal and the kind of how the 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 scene lined up, her in the center and the crowd parting around her as you were getting the the ooh from Frankie Goes to Hollywood, I thought was really really clever. Yeah. I really I was like I remember like really like smiling and like bobbing my yeah, feet. Yeah, no, I remember. To it. I was like, I this remember is really that too. Clever. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the jet sequences? Okay. We have the, the introduction of the invisible jet. Right. I have issues. <laughs> oh, okay. I have issues. For, right. For a start, I don't mind suspending my disbelief for, you know, dramatic emphasis. And I don't mind mm. going, oh, well, that's unrealistic, but who cares? Mm, mm. However... Don't try and convince me that a World War One pilot can, <laughs> fly, can, can fly that jet. Don't, just don't, don't, don't try and convince me of I that. I couldn't stand it's it too, either. It's I too much. It, it's too yeah. much. And he's sitting there. He's sitting there in this cockpit, going, "Right, okay, engines are." And I couldn't just stand and it. And yeah. you can see the thousands of buttons and switches yeah, around him, yeah, yeah. and he gets it on like the second try, and he goes, it was oh, right, there we go." I hated, and I'm like, I "Hated that." Oh, who, who, who justified this? Come on. Look, I know there's silliness in this movie, but come the fuck on. Do you know do you know though Chris Pine gets away with it? He's of course he does really cuz he's magic good. and I love him. He is he's really really good in this movie. He's not scene stealing, but he's the fish out of water this time, isn't he? He's not. Oh, what, what the hell is that? Is it a subway train? Oh yeah. goodness. I do but he sells it. Do you know what? Yeah, you, know, he does. you know when they're in the Smithsonian and he goes into the space I love travel that museum, exhibit. by the way. I love that museum. I, I remember going there. Oh, I've never I've never museum. I've oh. never been and I really want well, it's like one of the largest museums in the world, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. But huge. you know, when he goes in there and he's got this like childlike wonder in his eyes, and you just have to imagine, imagine being a uh, World War One serviceman, where it's like yep. one of the bleakest times in human history, and it's got nothing to do with him being a pilot and and all that. It's just about the period of time that he's from, mm. and then you tell him that man went to space. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, rockets. Yeah. yeah, and to the moon, and to the moon, and actually set foot on it, and mm. you just kind of, and he sold that wonder. Yeah, he so did. so 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 well. They included all of the kind of comedy lines in the trailer. You know, the kind of are, are they going to shoot at us? The whole inclusion of radar because that that's a fun like that's a funny little sequence when he's just kind of like slowly realizing that radar is going to give them away and yeah, stuff. And it's like, but they put it, it in the Diana. trailer. <laughs> Diana, yeah, and and the uh, and the the when he's you know, it's everyone in the future parachutists, you know, things like that. I wish they hadn't put those in the trailer because they were pretty good. They they were they were quite funny, but no, they did try and sell the whole he's able to fly because it's like it's it's an art and it's his gift and things sure, like that, sure. but. You know, do it. You know, do it in a futuristic glider. Don't do it in a military jet. What were your thoughts on the whole Egypt <laughs> sequence? I liked it. Uh, well, they 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 kind of touch on Saudi Arabia. They head off there for a little bit as well, tiny little bit, yeah. But no, they, but it was very, uh, it was very Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dare I say that chase sequence? Last Crusade. Ooh, yeah. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, I thought yeah, that one when I was watching. Yeah, yeah. It, no, going no, no. Under you're... the truck. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, it was really good. Again, the action was on point, and I think they did a really good job of when when you get Superman and Wonder Woman levels of you know power levels. Mm, mm. There's always the danger that you don't get the threat level 
because mm-hmm. they're basically invincible and they can do mm. and they can do anything and so you don't care what happens but mm-hmm. i think they did a really good job of basically giving her a kryptonite which is yeah. she made a wish and the wishing stone took away or started or took away some of her powers or basically sure. made her vulnerable and i think sure. whenever you can make any of your heroes vulnerable mm-hmm. that's that's a good thing and luckily they managed to find a way to do that mm. that hadn't hasn't really been done before Mm. which is really good and i think that her vulnerability in this scene like you know she's got a big you know bullet wound gash on her on her shoulder and she looks cut up there's one particular shot i can't remember if it's if it's in egypt or if it's no no no, it's after the white house sequence when she fights barbara and barbara kind of messes her up Mm, mm. and where she looks really disheveled and like really really out of it and you know and and she comes and she comes back from it obviously renouncing her wish and sending well, it's superman Steve Trevor too, away. isn't it it's superman too yeah it's basically what it is losing yeah. her power, you know losing her part i think that i think the film got a bit of a backlash from the whole portrayal of, of of the kind of the oil barons of the middle east you know the the kind of they're pushing pushing out we want to make sure that we get uh all the oil and, and then the wall coming up again i think there was a little bit of like it, i don't think it was handled particularly i mean i'm not i don't know a huge amount about it but i've read right. quite a lot of um, oh interesting i've not stuff like that i've yeah. not i've not seen i've not seen much of that but then yeah i don't know mm-hmm. i yeah, I, I could I couldn't I couldn't really comment on that. What what I would comment on on that on that note, going into the like the suspension of disbelief, mm. I think if everyone if he was granting the wishes that he was granting at the pace that he was granting them, we're talking mm-hmm. about Maxwell Lord now. Sure, sure, yeah. I think the world would have ended much sooner than much, much earlier than it did. Oh yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think that I think, you know, <laughs> Much, yeah. way 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 before he even got to the president you know mm-hmm. after that very cool joke about what is it with you assistants and porsches yeah yeah, <laughs> I really, exactly. I really, yeah, yeah. way before that i'm thinking if he if he's gotten to the power level that he's had that he's had by the time he gets to egypt and gets that wall up and i was like right okay now we've reached the point of no return and the and the world's gonna end but no the, there's about half a movie more than that where they yeah. decide, and I'm like, okay, fine. You know, you're you're letting us go down this path a bit more, for you know, dramatic effect. But I think in reality, if wishes were getting granted at that rate, world would have come to a halt way, yeah. way earlier. No, you're you're absolutely right. And I do like the fact that he kind of says, "I've got to keep track of all these wishes," but he never does. And and I and I like it how he he. He, he does that thing where he goes up to someone and he goes, don't you wish I want this from me? And he goes, yeah, of course I do. And then he goes, and nothing happens. And he goes, I've already come to you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you came the other day. And he goes, right, you're absolutely useless to me. I've got to find someone new who yeah. I haven't had. A... I think that was a really, I liked that. I was like, this is really, that's a fun little concept that he's yeah. got to find a new person each time and, and persuade them. Um, and with Max Lord comes my famous inclusion of the DC universe crossing over with the Scottish still gameiverse <laughs> or the chewing a fataverse because we picked up on something and we've talked about it before. Alex, who is in this movie? Stevie the Bookie. Stevie the Bookie! <laughs> Now, that'll mean nothing to our American listeners or probably our English listeners or Australian listeners. But for our Scottish listeners, you know you saw it. Yes, that was Stevie the Bookie who was his driver. I, I, I knew I recognised I recognized him instantly. I mean, the casting is brilliant. I mean, I mean and not to mention... How did he get that? He, he's done bloody well for himself. Yeah. It's the same Stevie. He's on the run because he, he owes Winston that money. Yeah, this absolutely. Was, this was when he owes Winston this money. Owes or, or, before, or before he started the bookies. Before he moved oh my to God. Craig Lang. Could you imagine 
could you imagine the <laughs> car the no, 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 the car driving away right the car the car's sped off and then yeah. just in the background you see winston, winston hopping one hopping leg. along on one leg <laughs> going, come 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 back here you lousy dirty rotten bastard and a laugh track just emerges for Absolutely. no reason <laughs> <laughs> that'd be wonderful <laughs> But the casting is great. We're from Stevie the Bookie to the fact that we have two Chris's. So we've got Chris Pye and Chris Evans, both playing a character of Steve, who was from a war and who is now in the future. Right. MCU, DC crossovers. Amazing. Galore. It's Fantastic. just mental. Um, the only other thing I really have to talk about was just we wanted to t- I mean obviously we have the when you were saying about all the people around the world getting wishes we had that lovely inclusion of the EastEnders I wish you drop dead well I wish you Irish absolutely it was mental that oh, stupid I, sequence it, in was, it was stupid and it was really it was quite dark as well because <laughs> yeah, was. I wish all you Irish would go home and I was like well that's a bit racist and then he yeah, goes exactly. I just wish you would drop dead and then she just has a heart attack I'm like bloody hell what the hell uh, on a musical point, so we did have Adagio in D minor, um, which was used in Sunshine, or it's, the track is called Surface of the Sun, which is the last track of Diana Flying. You you obviously picked this one up, sure. Yeah. Yeah, what was your thoughts? Well, again, it just... I think it. I think the music in the scene worked. Mm. I, I've not seen... I've not seen Sunshine that often. I think I've mm. I think I've maybe seen it once. So mm. I don't think I was quite... I was, I was quite quick enough on the update, uptake. It didn't bring me out of the movie i mm-hmm. i can't imagine other people who are more familiar with that movie where that, that would take it out of them and go oh well that's from sunshine sure so i don't know is that a positive or a negative because the, the 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 music if you just take the music at the music's value works in the scene and it's great and it's glorious and it's heroic and i love yeah, it yeah it's heroic yeah but I don't know. I found, I, it, I, I found it quite for, jarred, for me, but Yeah, for for me, it didn't take me out, and so I can't I can't say it was a negative, but I can imagine why it would be. Some other splicing of, of music. So in the final scene, when Wonder Woman is talking to the people of the world, do you know what was being played here? I do. You got it there. Yep, beautiful lie. Beautiful lie, absolutely. From BVS. Have I, is have I got? Have I got it there? That that <laughs> yeah. I spotted. I spotted right off the bat. I was like, "That's that's from Batman versus Superman." That. Well, I won't. I won't continue then because you've got that point. Um, well, I've before... got that, but it's interesting. It, it, that point is interesting because it's not featured in the soundtrack list, which mm. is very very interesting. Because no, usually, you're right. yeah, yeah, because yeah. usually when things are listed in the soundtrack list, it's because you know they were specifically crafted for the movie. And when things aren't on the soundtrack list, it tends to mean that it was put in after the fact because things yep. weren't quite working in the movie. Um, one of the most famous examples I always give is when the Ringwraiths theme comes up when Thorin is walking out of the burning tree in slow motion at the end of the yes, first Hobbit yes. movie, which is an, an atrocious piece of of scoring choice that, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. when we end up, we will do the Hobbits at mm-hmm. some point on this podcast and I will go on the biggest rant you have ever heard in your life when, when don't worry when you can we... skip it you can skip everyone yeah, 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 yeah. you, 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 you can, can also skip. time codes <laughs> when it comes to a, a beautiful lie even though I will concede that it was probably put in after the fact I think that the function of the track works because mm, yeah, yeah 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 and and it works thematically because where where a beautiful lie comes up in Batman versus Superman is it's it's in this whole montage of Batman's 
perception of the evil of the world. Right. And, you know, the problems with humanity. And, you know, it's dealing with these very big macro societal issues and things like mm. that. And then when it reappears here at the end of Wonder Woman, isn't that what she's confronting? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Isn't yes. that what she's trying to fix or appease or, you know, speak to? Just be like, please, please, please listen yeah. and, yeah. you know, do the right thing against the evil of the evil of humanity and the greed and all of that so i think from that perspective the track works in that moment mm, mm, yeah even it, if it, it was it, taken from another movie yeah exactly um now i i said i would come back to my the reason why i think maybe this movie is uh getting a lot of reviews and as i said the 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 the, the writing by and large is, is pretty great the acting is fantastic the, the casting is amazing the story, again, it's got its flaws, but it's mostly great. And the music is absolutely fantastic. But I think the problem with this movie is the pacing. I think it, it goes from extra, extra fast to extra, extra slow. And I think the editing job that is mixed with the pacing is the reason why it feels a little shonky. It doesn't feel complete. Interesting. I didn't get that vibe. I, I'll I was be honest. Away I from this movie, thinking I loved this movie, I really liked it, and I came away from it just being like, "Nah." I mean, there were some sequences that just didn't need to happen. The Christmas scene at the end—that was bloody jarring. That was Did a bit. Not that was a bit jarring, but nowhere near as jarring. I know what you're coming. Nowhere to. near as jarring <laughs> as the as the little cameo at the end. Linda Carter. Oh my days! It was useless. Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus. Do you know what? I like it in concept. I like it in concept. I like the fact that they took a, the most, probably the most famous actress to have played Wonder Woman in the past and gave her a cameo and made her that character mm. that Diana talked about in a, in a kind of flashback earlier. I liked that in concept, but I'm very, very sorry, Linda Carter. You were terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, so I'm really, jarring. really sorry, but... Oh, and she only had a couple of lines, but it was the twinkle. It was the twinkle in the eye. I've done this for a very long time. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, it was really, really atrocious. Like, Mate, how many thumbs up are you going to give it? I'm giving it two. Yeah, me too. I'm giving it two. I don't care. The music was awesome. awesome. It was just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was, you Mm -hmm. know, peak Hans Zimmer have you noticed that mm-hmm. have you noticed going through this podcast since we started that I've grown to really like Hans Zimmer I have noticed it I, have, have I didn't say that. anything I didn't no, want no, to no. say anything I'll, and I'll hold, my, I'll hold my hands up I am I am becoming much more fond of Hans Zimmer as time goes on but and this is a perfect example I think he did a great great job with this mm-hmm. it, it soared when it needed to soar it was in the depths when it needed to depths and the movie itself was just a great fun ride. Absolutely. Man. And I don't, uh, you know, everyone can, yes, it, it, it's got its, it's got its butts. But for the people that are saying this is the worst DC, DC movie because of its treatment of Wonder Woman or it's, they, they say they got Maxwell Lord wrong or they got, they got <laughs> Cheetah, they got Cheetah wrong. And I, and, and to them, and to them I say, well, they didn't in the context of this movie. 
That's yeah. the that's the big that's the big problem. It's the problem I sure. always have with these fucking comic book nerds. I'm I'm really sorry by the way. That was really, <laughs> that was that was really extreme. That was really, I took that really offensively. No, no, actually. no, that was really extreme. But the, but you know what I mean? Like they're just like that's yeah. not what che- what cheetah is. And I'm like, well, no, but it, it you know I can see that that might not be her origins in the comic book, and that might not be the the favorite the favorite depiction of cheetah but can you honestly say that it didn't work in the movie because yeah. i think the progression of that character did work in the movie i think mm. i think they they sold how they how she turned into a literal cheetah human apex hybrid predator. Uh, apex predator at the end i think they justified that with how she turned in because of like the influx of wishes and she was just sort yeah, of yeah. transformed and only just for that fight sequence in the end and i don't think it's a bad thing no. that you only saw that manifestation right at the end of the movie because the character had so much development in the meat of the movie just because mm, she wasn't mm. in the final bloody costume at the end jesus god oh it drives me it, oh, it drives me insane Moving forward? Yeah, let's move forward. Excellent. Sorry. We talked over the first one. People won't know that, but there was a couple of re-recordings. <laughs> it, it's surprising how often we say moving forward. It's basically like an echo chamber in this podcast. It's like moving forward. Yes. Oh, and another thing. No, moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might know that that wasn't a spliced edit of a previous one. No, it, uh, you wouldn't know. Now, we we don't have a huge amount to bring to Moving Forward this week, but we do have obviously one too big... I mean, there's some there's some interesting stories. Karen Gillian has confirmed she'll rep- appear in Thor 4, or Thor, as we're calling it. Um, so things like Thor. that. Which, Thor, yeah. Thor. Thor. She's got, he's got a Thor foot. <laughs> Thor leg. Thor ankle. Thor leg. Now, Thor. do we... Everyone's saying that as Guardians of the Galaxy is what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. In the same way that... Thor Ragnarok was basically Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk, yeah. So, as Guardians of the Galaxy. But the question is, is as Guardians of the Galaxy going to be Thor Love and Thunder or Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Is, is Thor... Wait, sorry. I wasn't paying attention to that. I was looking into your eyes, so mystical. Oh, right. That's, in- that's interesting <laughs> since so I wasn't looking Thor- at the camera. Is Thor Love and Thunder... Yeah, I wasn't paying attention, I'll be honest. Is Thor Love and Thunder going to be more like Guardians of the Galaxy? Is that, is that your question? No, no, no I'm, I saying, think... I'm saying there's going to be story beats at some point in the MCU mm. that come mm. from as Guardians of the Galaxy, no, which is, saying, which is yeah, basically know, yeah. the team-up between yeah, Thor yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Guardians of the Galaxy. But the question is, are those story beats going to happen in the Thor movie or the I know, yeah. Guardians movie? I, they've got to be quite careful, I think, that they're not, it's, they're not one in the same because I think the tone by and large is almost identical now between the Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies uh, and I think yeah the, kind, based kind on the trajectory of. of Thor and I think they've got to be they've got to make sure that they're that they're giving the Thor fans what they want and the Guardians fans what they want and that that they're yeah. not one in the same I, I yeah and I think that I think that hints on a kind of larger macro point of the MCU is I think the balance that they've managed to strike really well so far is that with each installment of the MCU, it first and foremost, it's not here's another 
MCU movie. Sure. They've always been, here's the next Ant-Man movie, or here's the next mm. Thor, mm. here's the next Hulk, even though there's not been a Hulk. But... No. Universal won't let it happen. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. But... Do you think they could go that way? Do you think this is the moment where that might be at danger of where you go like, well, actually, I don't care if this is a Thor or a Guardians of the Galaxy movie because it's all one and the same. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's the kind of point I'm making is that you've 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 got to give a bit of meat. You can't just you can't just you can't just give the dewy the, the the juicy fat. You can't give that that bit that everyone wants. You've got to actually give it a little bit of texture, a little bit of marble. You've got to give a reason why you want to. Why should I go to this Thor movie if I'm if I can just wait for the next Guardians movie when it's just going to pick up? Like you know, you, I think you're right. You've you've got to try and find the idiosyncrasies, yeah. and they're, they're doing that. You know, Christian Bale's been obviously cast as potentially one of the villains. We're not quite sure who that yeah. is. Well, Obviously, and then we've got characters, um, characters like Nebula from Karen Gillian coming into Thor. And I think if you can lean on these characters, you know, Nebula is very much a Thor, uh, sorry, a Guardians character. And I think you can lean on that a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, we've got uh, Natalie Portman coming back, and there's going to be a major. Oh, yeah, story she's going to be Lady Thor. She's going to be Lady Thor, apparently, which is going to which is going to be really interesting to see. Actually, absolutely. There's another uh, interesting piece of Marvel casting news. I know exactly who you're talking about. Is this the Eternals? No, no, no. I was going to talk about. I was going to talk <gasps> oh. about Fastbender. Oh, yes, I saw this. Now, is it Doctor Doom? Exactly. So, oh. this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because Michael Fassbender's great, and it's great to see him cast in anything big. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. However, does this mean, by process, like, you know, by just logic, that the X-Men, the say, X-Men yeah, as we yeah. know it, will not come into the mcu we will get the um, x-men and mutants but it's not going to be mcavoy and fastbender and co i'm not i mean like i'm not that bothered about not getting the fox mutants in this i'm not that bothered it's I think a bit that, upsetting that, because mcavoy's, but they're gonna cover Mac- it with, mcavoy's great mcavoy and fastbender are great is, they are but they're going to cover it with the parallel universe piece because we're obviously doing that with the Raimis, and i i think that you can still do this because because of the character Doctor Doom, you know the character Doctor Doom has the mask, and you don't necessarily need to see his face. And there's a very good chance that there's going to be a lot of that performance will be motion captured, unless they take right, the character okay, in a totally different direction. Yeah. And so, you know, so long as you, so long as you don't, there's not Magneto versus Doctor Doom, the two of them against each other. I think you can kind of get away yeah, with that. Yeah, that'd be pretty meta, was, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, he's going to make a lot of bloody money from it. Yeah, that's that's for this sure. Is true. Um, but that's like, the, the the casting bit that I had. Sorry, I know I know you were going to say uh, Thanos is confirmed to appear in the Eternals. Oh, did it? Uh, now I I saw a rumor about this, and it was kind of mm. a what if. Mm. I didn't see it was confirmed. Yeah, that's very interesting. Confirmed. It's now confirmed. So Josh Brolin is going to be reprising the purple demigod as as we know him. What's your thoughts? Oh, I mean, great. Yeah, I mean more of that. Yeah, more of it. I mean he. You know, he ate up that role and he stole yeah, every scene he was in, even though he was a big purple CGI mo- monster. Mm. But he gave but he, he gave bloody he heart. gave so much characterization to that yeah, big yeah, yeah, purple CGI monster that it was it was so tantalizing to watch. And I, I would love to see more of that performance. Mm. You know, even if it you know, it, it it's a tough it's a tough one because it was a great arc. It was a great arc mm-hmm. from the cameos at the in the post credit sequences to where he gets more fleshed out in Guardians uh, mm-hmm. right the way through to Endgame. It mm. was a great, great character arc. And you don't want that to get ruined in the first instance. You yeah, don't yeah, want exactly. that to get ruined. Uh, 
it'd be interesting is the eternals set like way way before all of this i think so i think it will be yeah i think think we're gonna get a young thanos i think that's the way to do it i think Mm -hmm. and i think don't make him a main character no, no, you're right. In the same way that we, in the same way that in Captain Marvel, um, we 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 had, uh, oh, what is it, what Ronan? Was um, Ronan. Yeah, we had Ronan. we had Ronan. I mean, nobody really cares about about Ronan. No, he was right? kind of he was kind of generic bad guy in Guardians yeah, One, yeah, so yeah, nobody yeah. really cares. But uh, yeah, I, I get your point. Now, another thing that I think let's just stick on Marvel for the finishing yeah. touches of moving forward this week, of course. WandaVision has hit our screens, small screens. Now, I am captivated. We, well, we, we held back from doing the first two episodes because we wanted to wait till the first three episodes were out. And I said last week, because I had watched them, um, I understand yep. now why they released the first two episodes up top. Do you see what I kind of mean? Kind of. Yeah. I don't, I, kind of. Although I think it, it took longer. Than the two mm. episodes. Because I think after the first episode, everyone would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But even after the second episode, I was thinking, what the fuck is this? And frankly, after the third episode, I was thinking, okay, what the <laughs> fuck is this? This I mean, is mad. The, the, so I'm going to talk about a point that I'm tracking, which is the when the, the mystery sequences. And in the first movie, you get maybe... 20 seconds of that because the whole thing is just a 50s romp or 60s romp yeah but you get that ever so slight 20 seconds of vision save him you know where she just breaks it she just breaks character for a very hot moment yeah you know she goes vision save him and it's and it's just the way she delivers that line and then it's straight back in and that's all you get that's yeah. the only sprinkle marvel mystery you get and then the second episode there's a couple of more points a couple of more little you know obviously they're coming out that when the guy comes out of the sewers and he's got the 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 logo on his back which we'll get to um that then and she says no and the whole thing starts again and it just repeats and then obviously episode three for those who haven't been caught up with that is extended even more when we when we get the the sequences with the the characters who are being evicted from this uh, almost, and you know, it's quite clear that this is all being in her head, isn't it? It's almost she's orchestrating all of these points. Well, this is the this um, is the thing. It's it's now you start to theorize as to exactly what's going on here, because mm-hmm. the the big elephant in the room is that Vision's dead in yes. the MCU. This this is the big this is the big elephant in the room, but there are things that happen. All the, all the little like isms that seem to happen to just to wander they've started to happen to vision as well but mm. then they started happening to other people in that community as well yeah, yeah. so you so you're, you're you're left in the first episode i in the, or in the first two episodes i assumed that wanda and vision were real and the rest of and the rest of the inhabitants of the community were either figments yeah, figment, figments, figments of imagination yeah, yeah. or part of a simulation or just sure, or sure. something just something sinister really mm. but now i'm very much struggling to pinpoint who's real and who's not yes yeah no i know i know exactly what certainly you what i'm assuming wanda is but even mm-hmm, that's not 100 mm-hmm. percent and I'm I'm assuming that Vision is maybe just a creation of her mind or her interpretation because he's not the Vision that we know. I mean, the Vision that we know is a robot, whereas this is you know quite a, an empathetic human. We're, no, we're he's seeing... still a robot. He's still a robot. He's still a robot in this. I, I think I think I think 
my guess, and I could be wrong, is that actually Vision is dead, and this is between Infinity War and Endgame, and this is her projection of what she wanted from Vision to be. And Interesting. So I, that's what we're I don't seeing. know. I can't. I can't help but feel like there's way too many instances of the word Hydra. Oh, there's thrown, all the. I love all the adverts as yeah. well. Hydras in every advert, pretty much. I just can't. Hydra watches. Hydra soap. Exactly. All of this. There's way too many instances in here, which makes me feel like they're in some sort of prison or mm-hmm. experiment or something by yeah. by some evil corporation or organization, i.e. Hydra. So I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think this is a Wanda's manifestation. I think she is wherever she is against her will. Do you? I and also there is the other inclusion of she. Uh, sorry, sword. The, the logo of sword around the necklace well, th- so now you're gonna have to being... explain this one because i don't i'm well, not so, aware of this so sword is basically another um another sort of overarching corporation similar to shield in the mcu and whilst again i'm not no expert on it i think that there's hints that actually in fact sword um are are the 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 team in space in which nick fury wakes up to um, so it's kind of like a, an intergalactic um, version of Shield, where they've got uh, oh, agents and they and they've got overarching tentacles into all sorts of fa- fascicles of of the MCU. And I believe they have elements of um, interdimensional travel and uh, multiverse travel. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, bottom line is, I'm really interested to see where it ends up. And uh, mm. in the in the last piece of uh, Marvel moving forward, just very very quickly, there is one other thing on Disney Plus that they've dropped to do with Marvel, and that's uh, marvel legends have you seen this no i haven't right no. so this isn't actually new content but it's mm-hmm. brilliant it's it's okay. hype machine mastery by the by the folks at disney because basically we're getting all these characters that are being put off into their own tv shows mm. and adventures and all of that and mm. it, it mm. can be argued that phase four is going to be massive across loads of different media platforms and it it can be and you know now 20 odd movies into a franchise you know people are oversaturated people don't know what they've seen and what they've not Mm. and so marvel have made a sizzle reel for every single character a seven a seven minute um so there there are only two episodes at the moment one for Mm -hmm. scarlet witch okay and one for vision Mm, and they're brilliant because not because the scarlet witch one goes right from her origins basically almost mm-hmm. every scene she's in you get a mm-hmm. bit of dialogue from like her more characterful moments they're usually yeah. with vision and you get yeah. a lot of sh- shots of her kicking ass you get montages mm-hmm. of her brother dying in ultron mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. other things and it's spliced together like a big seven minute long trailer that basically gives you a seven minute this is scarlet witch um yeah yeah that has existed in the mcu and then you've got the same for vision as well and you watch all of this and it's also an advert for every single movie in the mcu yeah and, very clever and, and 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 we watched it and in the in the first lockdown last year you know, so less than a year ago, though not much less than a year ago, we decided to watch all the MCU movies, and sure. we thought, yeah, this will do us for a while. And now, after a seven-minute siz- sizzle reel of Scarlet Witch, we turned to each other, and we were thinking the same thing. Me and Ilham, and we went, 
all that all that has made me do is want to watch all these fucking things again. <laughs> brilliant brilliant and i can't help but and i have to assume that it's going to be the same for for everyone out there that watches these things and i just think well, guess what i'm gonna do after this do it do it and yeah, text me and tell and honestly tell me if it doesn't make you want to watch every single marvel movie from the start again because that <laughs> honestly that, that that is all it well, made me want to do well, tell me, Alex, and tell the listeners what they have to do next. What you've got to do now is go on to Disney Plus. No, I'm sorry. Um, no, go, <laughs> go on to Apple Podcasts and find us there. Listen to us. Mm-hmm. Give us a cheeky mm-hmm. five-star rating. Must be cheeky. It must be cheeky. It must be cheeky. And you could also leave us a review, a nice little written review. If you don't want to review us, you could tell us what your favorite movie is, what your favorite soundtrack mm. from a movie is, anything mm-hmm. you want. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify and lots and lots of other platforms that host podcasts, really. And Absolutely. if you want to get in touch with the show, we have an email address, don't we? The email is motionspod at gmail.com. Now, we have a little bit of a surprise for you next week, everybody. Um, now we're not going to sure if we're going to be launching it next week. We've got we've got uh, we've got some plans coming up. So rather than us kind of saying what we're going to do next week, we're kind of just going to do dot dot dot. You're it's going to be gonna a dot dot dot. dot. Some something yeah, something's, something's get getting recorded to me. We don't know when it's when it when it's go out. It might be a bit out of mm-hmm. order, but yeah, exactly. Yes, something is coming. Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, until then, thank you very, 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 very much for listening, and we will speak to you again very soon. Bye now. All right, guys, ta-ta. 